Dragon Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your kung fu may be good, but mine is better. A notorious gang leader, a security chief, and a drunken sheriff get drawn into a web of thievery, deception, and intrigue as they vie for possession of two tons of gold. But who will be willing to pay the ultimate price for this deadly bounty? Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bita, and in this episode, we test the mettle of the kid with the golden arm. The Kid with the Golden Arm is a 1979 Shaw Brothers Kung Fu film directed by Chang Che and starring the entire Venom mob from the earlier classic, The Five Deadly Venoms, which I covered in my very first episode. Obviously, I'm a huge Venom Mob fan, but for the uninitiated, the Venom Mob was the nickname for a group of actors from the Shaw Brothers Studios who wound up working as an ensemble in a number of hugely influential kung fu films in the 70s and 80s. These guys were childhood friends and attended the Peking Opera School in Taiwan where they trained in kung fu, weapons, and acrobatics together. And it really shows in the chemistry that these guys had with each other on screen. They usually choreographed their own fight scenes, and because they were so well-versed with each other's styles and techniques... Their fights were often incredibly dynamic and fluid, and remain among the most influential and memorable fight scenes in kung fu movie lore. Paste Magazine listed this film at number 20 on their 100 best martial arts movies of all time, calling it, quote, not particularly complex or even all that original, but it's pure, unadulterated, old-school kung fu fun. The venerated rap group Wu-Tang Clan, all huge kung fu film fans themselves, name-dropped the movie in their song Gravel Pit. Elbow grease and elbow room, baby play me, baby fall down, go boom. Party people gather round, count down to apocalypse. I'm the kid with the golden arms. Wu-Tang rapper Yu God was also known as Golden Arms for a while in homage to the character played by Venomod muscle man, Lo Meng. This film opens up with a security group led by Chief Yang strategizing over the transport of a large shipment of gold to a famine-stricken area of the country. As they're discussing their resources and reinforcements, a soldier in the troop rushes in and drops dead on the cargo, displaying his bloodied back where there's a carved message from the notorious Chi Sa Gang. Chi Sa Gang have a plan. They intend to hijack the gold. From here we go into an intro credits over which Chief Yang explains who exactly is running the dreaded Chi Sa Gang. Now then, the Chi Sa have four chiefs. Number one is Golden Arm. Here, Lo Meng gets to showcase his physique and fighting style as he demonstrates his moves. Lo Meng's physique is impressive and was largely unseen during that era in Hong Kong films, so much so that one of his nicknames was Shaolin Hercules. Take note, however, that the titular character is the leader of the ruthless, bloodthirsty gang intent on stealing a shipment of gold intended for famine victims. Number two is Silver Spear. Silver Spear is played with wicked enthusiasm by typical Venom mob villain Lu Feng. Number three is Iron Robe. Iron Robe is played by Wang Long Wei, another perennial bad guy who was also in the last Shaw Brothers film I discussed, Fists of the White Lotus, with Gordon Liu and Lo Lee. Number four is Brass Head. Brass Head is played by Yang Chung, who has an extensive filmography but didn't quite ever achieve star player status. We cut to two of Chief Yang's enforcers who are scouting the road ahead. Short Axe, played by hybrid Venom Chang Sheng, and Long Axe, played by Xu Pei Sun, are clearing the way when the pair get ambushed by the Seven Deadly Hooks, a hit squad contracted by the Chi Sa Gang. Short Axe and Long Axe are a light-hearted pair with a dynamic akin to Gimli and Legolas from the Lord of the Rings movies in that they make a game of killing their enemies. The Seven Deadly Hooks surround the duo, but the Axes are very nonchalant about the whole affair, exhibiting confidence bordering on hubris. Not a friendly bunch. They won't talk. Only kill. Hey. Do you care? <laughs> Guess not. 
because they'll soon be dead. So then, <laughs> doesn't matter. Right. The two-on-seven battle is a weapons extravaganza with axes versus hooked spears. The axes show off impressive dodging and blocking while taking on their share of the hooks until each of them takes down three each. They banter about who gets to make the last kill while the poor sap they're going to cut down is hung up between their blades. In the spirit of friendly rivalry, they decide they're going to split the difference. Well, we're even now. We've both killed three men, but there's still one left. So who gets him? Who cares? All the same? Hmm, right. Right. Even score. Down another road, another enforcer, Miss Lang Feng, played by Pan Pin Chang, runs into Iron Robe, who's waiting for his share of the gold. In a feigned bit of chivalry, Iron Robe says he wouldn't fight a woman and lets Miss Lang pass, at which point she gets ambushed by two of his foot soldiers. An accomplished swordsman herself, she cuts down the thugs, but before Iron Rope can strike, he's interrupted by a wine jug thrown from the side of the road. Fight scene. Here we're introduced to Sheriff Hai To, a high-functioning alcoholic who is at his best when he's completely loaded. Using only his ceramic wine jug, Hai To fights off Iron Robe and several more foot soldiers. Hai To, played by Philip Kuo, shows off some impressive handling as he uses the jug to block and attack his aggressors. He passes the jug around people like a basketball and eventually cuts all the thugs down, save for Iron Robe who chose to run and fight another day. Before Miss Lang can even say thank you, Haito uncorks an impressive flying backflip and disappears back into the forest. As the gold continues its trek down the countryside, Miss Lang rendezvous at a winery with her partner Lee Chin Ming, a master swordsman played by the snake venom Wei Pai. While sitting down to catch up, the pair are attacked by their waiter, but Lee Chin Ming was prepared and runs the guy through without even turning his head. The rickety old proprietor of the shop comes over and while lamenting the dead body on the floor, stages his own attack with a spear handed to him by a henchman. Here Miss Lang and Lee Chin Ming get to swing their swords around as they fight off a small army of thugs. Lee Chin Ming uses both sword and scabbard to fend off the various weapons thrown his way. He continues to hold his own even backed up against the wall when a hand breaks through the wall and lands a precise strike against his back, leaving a black handprint. As quickly as the strike lands, Lee Chin Ming wheels around and thrusts the sword into the wall, releasing a fountain of blood from behind it. Miss Lang recognizes the strike as the black sand palm, and together they beat a hasty retreat. The proprietor orders a chase, but again, our drunken sheriff interrupts the fun and gives the mob pause by taking out one of the soldiers. The sheriff recognizes the henchman as Brass Head and the old proprietor as Silver Spear in disguise. Silver Spear, recognizing the talented high toe, makes an offer to the sheriff. A man with your skill shouldn't work for just anyone. You join the Chisa gang. You'd be much better off. High toe pretends to be interested and lays down some crazy terms which includes killing all members of the Chisa gang. Naturally, the gang is less enthusiastic about that idea, but they don't engage the sheriff in any fisticuffs for now. Philip Quo does get to show off a fancy no-hands round-off over Spear as he exits in true baller fashion. Meanwhile, Lee Chin Ming is dealing with the sand palm strike as it slowly delivers a fatal poison. There's a small side story here regarding his and Miss Lang's relationship as it's strained by his warped sense of duty and honor. While Miss Lang wants to find help, Lee Chin Ming is content to die for the mission. He literally turns his back on her offer. Back at Chief Yang's HQ, Short Axe and Long Axe have captured a foot soldier and want to interrogate him. He stands fast, giving Short Axe a reason to run him through with the business end of his axe. As he falls, the floor beneath the gold gives way, dropping the cargo into a tunnel. And from out of the tunnel, pops the shiny dome of Brass Head himself. Brass Head proceeds to headbutt his way through the security forces while the axes deal with the bunch of grunts dispatched to the scene by Iron Robe. While the fight goes down inside, Iron Robe hustles off with the gold but doesn't notice Sheriff High Toe hitching a ride in the undercarriage. Inside, the battle continues with the axes again keeping tally of their kills while Chief Yang stays busy against Brass Head. 
After cutting down the bulk of the thugs, Yang and the Axes take on Brass Head and do some grievous damage to him. Before he succumbs, however, we're finally introduced properly to Chisaw gang leader, Golden Arms, as he busts in on the action. It seems I'm a bit late here. In a singularly boss moment, Golden Arms walks through the scene as Yang and the Axes throw everything they have at him. Using only his arms, he fends off every strike without batting an eye. He doesn't throw down though because he's got to get to the gold, but he did promise to avenge his fallen comrade. We catch up with Iron Robe when a wheel comes off of the carriage, stranding him on the road. Hito pops out from under the cart, and he and Iron Robe size each other up. One of the fun aspects of this film is the dialogue between combatants just before they throw down. The fighters don't just rush into a fight and beat each other senseless. Here, Iron Robe and Hito matter-of-factly discuss what's about to go down, and they get right to it. You have to be the agent Hito. That's right. So what? I'm not scared. No way. Oh. What are you trying to say? You want a contest? Since you followed me here, I have no choice. Armed with a metal fan that is sharpened to a knife's edge, Iron Robe dives in, protected by his robe that's covered in small metal plates. It's a flexible suit of armor, kind of like a more loungy Iron Man, but without all the tech. Wang Long Wei always provides spirited opposition in any fight as he and Philip Kuo leap and swing around one another with ridiculous speed. Haito is unarmed for most of the contest, but it allows Kuo to demonstrate lots of flipping and acrobatics as he avoids Iron Robe's fan. A small garrison of soldiers shows up to help Iron Robe, but Haito is able to get his hands on a spear, which evens things up a bit. He cuts his way through the soldiers and in an apparent retreat, leaps over the fallen carriage to the blind side, only to be followed immediately by Iron Robe. Now, while the robe protects the wearer over most of his body, the protection doesn't extend to below the waist, especially when the robe is flying open as it is during Iron Robe's jump. Hito is counting on this, and he lays in wait with his spear extended up. Iron Robe can't stop his momentum and fatally impales himself on the extended spear. Do you long for the good old Saturdays, filled with morning cartoons and sugary cereal? How about the lazy days, just vegging in front of the telly all afternoon? Well, I do, and that's why Saturday Morning Pajamas was created. Tune in every Wednesday and Saturday for a good old dose of nostalgia, B-movies, and the latest cinematic hits. Check us out at www.nonoms.net. That's www.nonoms.net. After Hito vacates the scene, Golden Arms finally arrives and surveys the damage. Now I want you guys to listen to this scene and pay particular attention to the background music because it's so hilariously incongruous to the scene itself. Mind you, Golden Arms is looking at a gory site where his comrade has been impaled and several soldiers have been brutally run through with a spear while the stolen gold is sitting unmanned on a broken cart. But the music is like a piece of interstitial Gilligan's Island music where he's walking through the jungle looking for more whipped cream for his banana cream pie. Take a listen. Not long after, Chief Yang and his men arrive on the scene and reclaim the gold. 
We catch up to Lee Chin Ming who encounters Silver Spear on the road and we get another bit of ice cold dialogue where the two combatants state plain what's about to happen. Well now, it seems it's my chance. You've been hurt bad by the sandpan. So then, you don't fight too good. <laughs> and if you manage to kill me now, that will improve your reputation. <laughs> That's right. I'd like that. You won't make it though. <laughs> I'll try. Fight scene. A slightly hobbled Li Chin Ming can't hold his own for long against Silver Spear as he dizzies the swordsman and goes in for the kill. However, it's interrupted again by Hai To, who has an uncanny knack for showing up to save his hide. Miss Lang also arrives at the scene, forcing Silver Spear to make a quick retreat for reinforcements. Instead of giving chase, Hai To picks up Li Chin Ming and without explanation brings him to a furnace where he pays some guys to throw him in. A distraught Miss Lang protests, but Hai To holds her off while Li Chin Ming gets subjected to the searing heat within. Back with the gold, Chief Yang and his crew stop for a rest, but find out the hard way that the area they've chosen to stop in has been booby-trapped. The guards drop like flies as the stumps, logs, and trees have been embedded with poisonous barbs. Even the ground is littered with needles. One soldier asks a pertinent question. This is Chisau work. Maybe so. But how'd they know we'd come here? Back at the furnace, Li Chin Ming is busy sweating buckets within when he notices that the mark of the sand palm has disappeared. Apparently the whole thing was a ruse to help Li Chin Ming heal. Miss Lang is grateful, but Li Chin Ming, on the other hand, is insulted. His sense of honor dictates that he die before accepting any help, so he's going to be sour for the rest of the journey. Meanwhile, Golden Arms is having a summit with Silver Spear and discussing their strategy. Golden Arms observes that Chief Yang, a famous swordsman in his own right, didn't fight very well even though he's known to have killed 17 men by himself. Golden Arms is thinking about recruiting another person to their ever-dwindling group, a fighter known as Iron Feet. In his time, he was often compared to Golden Arms but disappeared after the formation of the Chisau Gang. Back at Chief Yang's camp, the booby traps keep coming as they find out very quickly that their water supply has been poisoned. Haito shows up just in time to save the group as another booby trap goes off, filling the room with poison gas. As the group beds down for the night outside, two of Yang's guards get antsy about their chances and try to take some of the gold for themselves. As they reach for the locks, they scream in agony, alerting the others. As they arrive, they find the two would-be thieves dead from poison on the chests. Questions arise as to who could have done it. At dawn, the company heads out with the gold, but Haito has already gone ahead. He finds a tea house and draws the attention of Silver Spear and a bunch of goons. It seems that Golden Arms has offered to cut him in on the gold if he backs off. Haito, meanwhile, presses Silver Spear for info on how they poisoned the chests. Clearly confused, Silver Spear gives away that they had nothing to do with it. Instead, he challenges Haito to a duel with Golden Arms himself. As the goons go to leave, Haito says he has to arrest them, which doesn't go over well. Fight scene. Again, using only a wine jug, Haito takes on a number of spear-wielding foes and doing his juggling routine is able to take them all out with relative ease. He even uses the shards of his shattered wine jug to gut one of his enemies while he muses on the coming duel with Golden Arms. Back on the road, Chief Yang and his crew suffer a defection of soldiers due to their fear of the Chisa Gang. That leaves Short Axe, Long Axe, Li Chin Ming, Miss Lang, and Chief Yang to ensure the gold's delivery. The Axes go on ahead to scout further when they're ambushed by Silver Spear and his minions. Fight scene. There's a quick and pleasant exchange from Silver Spear and Short Axe before they get into it and show off a dazzling display of footwork and weapons mastery. Again, here's where the years of training together really pays off. Lu Feng and Chang Sheng anticipate each other's moves so well they make it look so effortless even with the demands on balance and acrobatics. Silver Spear ducks away from the fight for just a moment when he sees his men being besieged by Long Axe. He reaches into his utility belt for some spring-loaded daggers and throws them at Long Axe. Six of them find their mark, forcing Long Axe to stumble back towards him. Silver Spear is waiting with his extendable spear, which he buries in Long Axe's gut. Short Axe dispatches one of the grunts, blocking him, and rushes in to engage Silver Spear one last time. 
This battle is even more of a whirlwind than the first one, with their weapons flying around at a breakneck pace. Try and count how many touches there are of axe to spear. It's crazy. At an apparent stalemate in the fight, with each fighter having a death grip on the other's weapon, a foot soldier jumps in and runs Short Axe through from behind with a long spear. Short Axe reels from the blow but still manages to throw his axes backwards into his assailant. A smug silver spear stands there watching Short Axe die when Short Axe pulls the spear through himself and thrusts it into Silver Spear. Both fighters grab their spears and flip into one last stance, but it's only to poetically drop in unison as they succumb to their wounds. Sometime later, Chief Yang, Miss Lang, and Li Chin Ming arrive at the scene and bury the axes. No, not figuratively, literally. While they mourn their fallen brothers, Li Chin Ming stomps off in search of a fight with Golden Arms. Miss Lang follows after him as the group run into Hai To, who is supposed to be on his way to the duel himself. Golden Arms, waiting for Hai To, instead meets Li Chin Ming, who rushes in to attack from behind but is met with a stone cold stare and an admonition from Golden Arms. And so it's you, and trying for my back. Li Chin Ming. That's not nice. In an awesome fight scene, Li Chin Ming goes in with his sword while Golden Arms easily and efficiently sidesteps his attacks. He blocks the sword strokes with his forearms, and Lo Meng puts on a spectacularly smug acting effort here as he takes everything that Li Chin Ming throws at him and rebuffs it. Golden Arms philosophizes as they fight, and even disarms Li Chin Ming in the process. Not that it makes much of a difference anyway, because in one amazing sequence, Golden Arms grabs onto Li Chin Ming's blade and wraps it around his arm like it was taffy. He then unrolls it, and stabs Li Chin Ming, corkscrewing it into his belly as he sinks it deeper. Even heroes have to die. Miss Lang arrives too late to help her lover and makes a motion to fight Golden Arms, but he stares her down hard and tells her that she's got three days to get out of town. Miss Lang is about to throw it all away when she gets a discreet message from Tai To to leave and return in two hours when he promises it'll all be finished. Further down the road, Hai To waits for Golden Arms and they have a short discussion about all the death that's ensued. Chief Yang shows up with his sword in tow, and Golden Arms wastes no time in throwing shade his way. Just look how he draws. They say he's a swordsman. To me, it seems he can't use a sword. Forget him. We're wasting time. So this is the fight scene I really wanted to get to, because it's one that resonated with me as a youngster and stayed with me through the decades. Even though the kid with the golden arms was a villain, he was one of those characters that I never forgot due to this fight. He and Haito go at it in a bare-knuckled brawl that's fierce and powerful. There's so much movement and quick strikes, you're breathless halfway through it. Chief Yang throws a curveball into the mix by tossing a sword to Haito, but that only leads to one of the scenes that defines the kid with the golden arms. As Haito flips over golden arms and quick turns for a stab, golden arms catches the blade in his hands and proceeds to crush the blade with his bare hands as if it were a big potato chip. The sword is reduced to shards of steel that fall harmlessly to the ground. Both Haito and Chief Yang are understandably stunned by this development, but the fight continues. Haito whips out another weapon, some chained hooks that he whips around with abandon, still doing no damage whatsoever to the Golden Boy. It's only when the chains wrap up Golden Arms that Haito can draw him in close enough to unleash a secret weapon, a mouthful of poisoned wine. Haito spits the wine into Golden Arms' eyes, blinding him. Golden Arms stumbles back and writhes in agony. Chief Yang steps in to celebrate the victory and presses Hai To to kill him. Hai To, however, balks, saying that his kung fu is now useless, especially now that he's blind. I'm Tom Hall, and this is The Hit List, five kung fu movies you need to see. 
this week's hit list, the five best kung fu sequels of all time. First up we have the Shaw Brothers classic, Return of the One-Armed Swordsman. Stars Jimmy Wang Yu and he has to fight uh, the mysterious sword kings. Each of them have a crazy weapon and he's got to use a different technique to defeat each one. It takes the original idea of the one-armed swordsman and kicks it up about 50 notches. If you haven't seen it, it's almost better than the original and it's a fantastic ride from start to finish. Next up, All Men Are Brothers, the Shaw Brothers sequel to the movie The Water Margin, based on the book of the same name. It's a David Chung and T. Lung movie, uh, which means that you've got a lot of really, really good actors, and it's a huge, epic, action-packed, amazing storyline that just takes you into this world of intrigue and political unrest and you need to see it if, especially if you've enjoyed the water march <laughs> movie number three this week is the return of the chinese boxer the 1977 classic by jimmy wang yu he fights a band of ninjas that's really all you need to know he, he kicks ninja butt you you've got to see it it's uh, really an extension of the original Chinese boxer movie and you're gonna love it. Movie number four is Tai Chi Hero. It's the 2012 sequel to Tai Chi Zero, the Stephen Fung movie starring Angel Baby, uh, Tony Leung, and Eddie Pang. It mixes steampunk action, cartoon special effects, crazy insane kung fu action you got to see this movie they took everything that you loved in the first movie and they amped it up by 50 and it, it's also a very heartwarming story and has a lot of intrigue finally we have the 1968 Shaw Brothers classic one of my favorite movies of all time the golden swallow aka the girl with the thunderbolt kick Directed by Chang Che and starring Cheng Pei Pei, it is the sequel to the movie Come Drink With Me. And in it, Jimmy Wang Yu plays Silver Rock, who tries to frame Cheng Pei Pei because he wants to draw her out and have a meeting with her. It's part love triangle, part crazy action violent movie. It is absolutely stunning in every aspect of the way that you would want a kung fu movie to be stunning. When you watch it, your jaw is on the ground half the time, especially in one of the best scenes with Jimmy Wang Yu in it in the history of cinema, where he absolutely slaughters an entire mafia gang. It's amazing. Well, that's your hit list for this week. Thank you for tuning in. This is Tom Hall, and I hope that you join us next week for five more kung fu movies you need to see. At this point, the story takes a huge left turn that answers all the questions that the characters have been asking throughout the journey. From out of the carriage pops another character, who in this film is played by Sun Chen, who is also playing Chief Yang. So it's a non-related twin of the chief who's been pulling the strings on this gold heist the whole time. He rushes at high toe and slashes him across the belly before he can defend himself. 
As he grabs at his flowing wound, Hayato starts to put all the pieces together. This twin stranger has staged the whole heist, plans to pin it on the Chisa gang after Golden Arms and all the chiefs are dead, then he'll kill his double chief Yang, a pretender to the sword, and run off with the whole shebang. The double proceeds to do just that and cuts Chief Yang down and explains that he is, in fact, Iron Feet. Sun Chan of the Venom Mob was known to have the best kicking ability of the Venom, so it makes sense that he filled this role. As for Iron Feet, his motive was simply to get revenge on Golden Arms for pushing him into obscurity and tarnishing his name. Now with the gold, he plans to set up a new gang and rule the underworld. Golden Arms knows this means he has to be dead for this to work. You have to kill me! You have no choice! <laughs> Why, of course. From now on. They'll just be me. No golden arm. Just iron feet. Final fight. In the climactic battle, Golden Arms reveals that he also has golden ears, as Iron Feet steps up and they go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Listening intently to his footfalls, Golden Arms follows Iron Feet around the terrain and is able to hold his own while Iron Feet tries to confuse him. Iron Feet eventually learns to stand stock still and wait for Golden Arms to leave an opening. While Golden Arms listens for any sign, he thrashes about clumsily, giving Iron Feet chances to land some devastating kicks. When things look bad, Haito jumps into the fray and reveals that he was playing possum, showing that Iron Feet actually only slashed his wineskin under his shirt. Iron Feet and Haito throw down in incredibly acrobatic and energetic fashion, fighting from the ground and flipping over one another in incredible sequences. When Haito manages to land a gut punch, Iron Feet staggers backwards right into awaiting Golden Arms, who drives his hand right into his foe's back, stabbing right through him. Every day, whether you realize it or not, you're moved by the power of visual communication. And that's by design. At Tinbox Marketing Solutions, the goal of that design is to bring effective communication to a myriad of people through shape, color, texture, and sound. Tinbox is a creative services group located in Los Angeles, California, by way of New York City. Their clients include La Tigre, Konami, Pony Footwear, and comedian Jerry Seinfeld. For the bleeding edge in graphic design and print services, don't think outside the box. There is no box. TinBoxSolutions.com With Iron Feet dead, Golden Arms decides he's going to retire quietly. But that is cut short as Miss Lang arrives and drives a sword through him in revenge for killing her lover. Golden Arms puts on an impressive death rattle and drops. Haito wraps up the entire chapter with the best closing line ever. That's that. You escort the gold. It isn't far now. I'm gonna get drunk. Story Cycle by Jeff Summers, author of the Avery Kate series, has been called intricate with ink black humor by RT Book Reviews and heartbreaking and soaked in blood and steeped in deadly power and desperation by Publishers Weekly. When blood fuels magic, there are mages, there are bleeders, and there are no good people. Learn the words, get the blood, and rule the world. Available everywhere from gallery books. Check out wearenotgoodpeople.com. If you're new to the kung fu genre, go check this film out, because while it really isn't an incredibly original tale, it has all the hallmarks of a straight-up kung fu classic that'll stay with you for a long time. 
Like I've said before, these kung fu movies were the equivalent of today's superhero films, and having memorable characters with memorable names like Golden Arm, Short Axe, and so on made it easy for us to identify with them and their powers, and thus made play fighting them that much more fun. The Venomon movies were excellent in this regard, which is why I'm such a big fan. As a comic book junkie as well, it was an easy transition from kung fu to comics and comic book movies because, to me, it's all kind of the same type of story. The Kid with the Golden Arm is available on iTunes, Google Play, and on Netflix, so go check it out because it's a good time, I promise. In the meantime, Lomang has been keeping busy and was most recently in Ip Man 3 with Don Yen, so keep an eye out for Shaolin Hercules because he's still kicking butt out there. That's going to do it for this episode of Poison Clan, so a quick shout-out here to the Something Something cast, who will be celebrating their third anniversary this weekend. Now, if you're listening to this show on Saturday, June 25th, the Something Something cast will be recording live from Wild Pig Comics in Kenilworth, New Jersey, Sunday, June 26th, from noon to 2 p.m. I'll be stopping by to say hello and meet the guys myself, so if you're around and want to say hello, swing on by. It should be a fun time. Much love to the rest of the Potter Family hashtag on Twitter, where you can find a bunch of great shows. Follow me there at Kung Fu Drive-In, same on Instagram. Check out the Facebook page, Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast, or email me, kungfudrivein at gmail.com. Until next week, peace. See the iron fisted monk before the daily prayers Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah, the little big soldier is old and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight you got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to graze jars Fight for the cars, then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewel's here, David is coming back the Tai Chi master, jelly's even faster Could chat a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine but see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaol in the Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary Pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slash and blood is just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood, it'll splatter against the walls No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed the fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! 
this time it's warm To smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get a drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws